welcome to Crossroads Cafe. Today's episode is an interview with Hollis, who is a musician, speaker, activist, and so much more. She recently released a single called Grace Lee, which is about the legendary Asian American activist Grace Lee Boggs. We spoke about Grace's legacy, the importance of imagination and creativity in fostering social change, and so much else. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so, so much for being here. I'm super, super excited to get to talk to you. Um, I absolutely love your new single. It's so beautiful and so moving. And the lyrics Thank are like you. something I always wish I could have written. Um, and I, yeah, I try to interview artists who work on social change projects and incorporate that in their art. So this is perfect. And I'd love to hear about uh, where the idea for the single came from. Thank you so much. It's really kind. Um, so yeah, I, Grace Lee Boggs is an activist and point of inspiration that I've known about for quite some time. Um, I want to say I was introduced to her uh, when I was in college in Seattle initially. Um, and, you know, I was lucky enough to have my artistic formation happen when I was in college in Seattle. Um, and I started my artistic journey as a spoken word poet. Um, and that community was really enmeshed with local grassroots organizing. Um, so, you know, finding out about local grassroots organizers in Seattle, um, and then also just kind of like the legacy of organizing uh, Grace Lee Boggs was kind of the singular point um, herself and Yuri Kochiyama were the first two Asian American women that I had ever heard of that had been involved um, in the civil rights movement um, and were kind of examples of how to work with integrity and solidarity um, within social justice spaces. So I learned about her there, but it was really when I was um, a couple months ago, I was reading her autobiography that a friend gave me, um, Living for Change. And I learned so much more about her reading her memoir, um, things that I just had no idea and also that had total intersection and resonance with me. Like she was born on the second story above her dad's Chinese restaurant and I grew up in my mom's Chinese restaurant. And um, she actually was, uh, she got her PhD in philosophy and I had kind of been flirting with and got a minor in philosophy when I was in college. So I started feeling all these like wild resonances that I didn't know were a thing even when I was younger um, and so it made me really excited and then kind of the uh, you know the real impetus was that I was working with a longtime collaborator of mine Chucky Kim and he actually had met Grace Lee Boggs he had spent an afternoon at her home mm-hmm. um, and had a really wonderful story um, to share and so both of us were really just inspired by her and her legacy and so we came together to write this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're actually actively supporting her legacy with it. I read here um, you're partnering with Hate is a Virus and We Are Uprisers and raising money. Um, What do these organizations and their missions mean to you? And how did you choose those organizations to support? Totally. So, yeah, Uprisers is a brand that I have been collaborating with for a couple years now, um, Michelle Hanabusa, their founder, is a close friend of mine, and they're a streetwear brand based here in Los Angeles. That's really, uh, you know, its foundation is amplifying uh, social change um, and mm-hmm. community-based efforts. And so, um, 
you know, Michelle, I played the song for Michelle uh, a little bit ago and she just got really excited. And she was like, I, you know, Michelle's also a co-founder of Hate is a Virus, um, which started last mm-hmm. year to address anti-Asian sentiment at the beginning of COVID. And now, you know, given the fact that they've been established for a year, um, they're one of the leading community responders, um, as we've seen this swell of um, interpersonal violence against Asian folks. So, um you know, Michelle just got really excited about it, and she was like, "I would love to collaborate with you." Mm-hmm. Um, so these collaborations really emerged uh, organically. But I'm excited that with the drop of the single um, on Friday the 14th, we're also dropping a capsule collection in partnership with Uprisers, um, featuring the art of Janelle Quibuyan, who did an original illustration of a young Grace Lee Boggs, and um, many of the proceeds from that uh, merch capsule collection are going to go towards the James and Grace Lee Boggs Foundation, uh, which is a mm-hmm. nonprofit that's based in Detroit that's uh, carrying on Grace Lee and her husband Jimmy's legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. I feel like uh, just looking at your body of work and your experience, you seem to do so many of these projects that work on business level, an arts level, a social change level. Um, which I really admire. And I think it's like extraordinary that you've been able to combine all these things so well. Um, How did you kind of figure out how to merge your passions into this ecosystem? And when did you realize you could? Yeah, so again, I'm really lucky that my kind of awakening as an artist came with my own political awakening. Um, When I was a high schooler uh, in San Francisco, I was introduced to this organization called Youth Speaks which is a um, spoken word organization for young people to um, express themselves through spoken word poetry and they would do poetry slams and they were just these extremely electrifying environments uh, where young people Mm -hmm. were really like owning and claiming and harnessing the power of narrative and um, there's, you know, there's an inherent politic in young people, especially uh, young kids of color um, speaking their truth and uh, Mm -hmm. I just found that that was the most compelling art the art that said something um and it was really the only thing that really you know i i came up like doing plays and musical theater and like performing Mm -hmm. in choir and you know like learning how to perform but not necessarily learning how to like author my own story or honing what i had to say and then understanding Mm -hmm. that that in turn itself was political you know so um I don't, I am motivated as an artist by doing things in community and things that push Mm -hmm. things forward. Um, I think if it was just me for the sake of me, I probably would have stopped doing music a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm thankful that, you know, in this moment, I'm able to create a song about somebody who's really inspired me and connect uh, with both, you know, artists and creatives that I really admire. Um, and also be able to contribute and platform um, a cause that I think is vital and, um, you know, just pay homage and tribute to Grace Lee Boggs and her memory and recognize that she really challenges and provokes us to be our, a better version of ourselves, to envision that the world can be better. I think we've all felt over the last year, like, Ugh, is this just it? Like, are we just mm-hmm. handed this, like, steaming... <laughs> pile of ish um and I think for her she's really like you know now is the time to seize our power and it's not just about um taking power but it's about activating it and thinking about how can we create something that's so uh radically different from what we now have that we know isn't working Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that is so powerful and definitely something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I know that Grace kind of worked at, she kind of created this really visionary intersection of causes that she fought for. Um, and I think now it does seem like the perfect time to evoke her work as struggles for Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate will are sort of reaching a peak. It just feels like her voice is so, so critical. So I'm really glad that you're, um, you're bringing her to light. And I know that she talks a lot about um, imagining a better world and being brave enough to kind of make it happen, which is also a lyric in your song. Um, what do you feel like the relationship between imagination and creativity and social change is? Or why is imagination important to social change? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that's a lot of the reason why I think I feel particularly attached and inspired by Grace Lee Boggs is because sometimes as an artist, like as a singer songwriter, you can kind of feel like, oh, is the music that I do like superfluous <laughs> or is it like, mm -hmm. you know, extracurricular to like what's important to do? Like how impactful is the work that I do as an artist in the grand scheme of things? Um, and especially like in the age of streaming when it's like, you mm -hmm. know, 50 million songs get uploaded to Spotify every single day. You're like, why does it matter? And, you know, I think what Grace, and this was really inspired to by her husband, Jimmy Boggs, who was himself an incredible philosopher and writer and organizer. Um, but really understanding that like arts and creativity needs to be centered because it's a place where we can, um, where we're not in a space of reaction, but we're when you're mm. in a space of creation, right? So a lot of activism is fighting against things or protesting things or trying to incrementally push back things um, and things that are terrible and oppressive. And it's really important to do that work. And I think what they saw was like, you know, protest alone will not create the radical social change that's so desperately needed for people mm -hmm. to live full and healthy and supported lives and community with each other. Um, how can we use creativity in the arts to begin conversations and to own that process of transformation so that our lives aren't always in reaction to, um, but rather mm -hmm. we're creating and curating what is. Um, so I kind of felt seen in that way. I was like, oh, like I have a purpose. It's not, I'm not just like decorative. I'm not just like ornamental. Mm -hmm. Like I can actually have a space where, um, and art soothes, you know, art heals. Art um, mm -hmm. communicates things that simple words can't say, um, evokes emotion, reminds us of our humanity, which I think is a lot of what Jimmy and Grace talked about was like, we, be, we become so dehumanized in this hyper-capitalist, mm -hmm. mechanistic, automated society how can we better connect back to our humanity um, and our shared humanity and feel mm -hmm. really responsible for each other in a really intrinsic way and I think art is the portal to that right um, and I mean we see it you know they mm -hmm. obviously didn't invent this idea that art and creativity is central to you know uh, community determination and and social change I think you know um, I think about like the Harlem Renaissance and how um, black authors and playwrights uh, you know, kind of created worlds in which they are centered and whole people in a in a world where they weren't seen that way by um, the by the mainstream society or like um, Afrofuturism and being thinking about like vastly different like whole other planets and whole, whole other realities um, and having that be mm -hmm. a leading voice and space um, for uh, you know just to create one's own space. So, you know, creativity, I mean, hip hop, like there's so many different um, 
creative movements that go hand in hand with social movements. And I think, you know, one begets the other and one catalyzes the other and one inspires the other to be better. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Could not agree more with um, everything you're saying. And yeah, I think it's really powerful to remember that um, change is also creation. It's not only destruction um, and it takes movements and connections between people to foster that. So yeah, what you said about um, music being something that allows people to express themselves and connect um, definitely kind of solidifies the relationship really beautifully. So um, yeah, I, um, I just love the idea of imagining a better world and kind of planting seeds of what it could be um, and then spreading them everywhere through action. So when you imagine a better world, what are some of the things you see in that world? Mm. Totally. Well, I am currently reading We Do This Till We Free Us by Maria Mekaba, and it's all about abolitionist organizing and transformative justice. And I'm really mm-hmm. called by not just the urgent and long overdue need to defund and find other solutions outside of the police, but I think what mm-hmm. I really like about this book and Kaba's approach is that she talks about like, you know, abolition isn't just like a world without police. Abolition is like, what could the world be if everybody was supported, Mm -hmm. if everybody was resourced, if everybody was fed and sheltered and educated in a way that fostered their whole selves. And Mm -hmm. she's like, that's the premise that we need to be centered on. Like, it's less about like, what's going to happen if we let everybody out of prison. And it's more about why do people commit crime and how can we meet people where they're at and what does crime even mean in the grand scheme of things anyway so that's a lot of what I've been thinking about um and again back to that point of imagination it's like you know and she says it's like it's very hard for us because we've been so conditioned in the world that we're in to imagine a world that isn't constrained by all Mm -hmm. of the systems historical systems of oppression that we live with today Um, and that's why we oftentimes we're we even are negotiating within ourselves because we've internalized those things we've internalized Mm -hmm. that things are necessary that we know are deadly and um so i think for me what a better world world looks like is you know for example i live here in los angeles and they spend like six times at least six times more uh, on the cops than they do on uh, affordable housing and um, serving the homeless. So like for me, a, a world is where that budget is inverted and thinking about how can we as taxpayers feel like we need to be accountable to the most marginalized, the folks that need the most r- resources and support instead of um, dumping the vast majority of our city's budget into the militarization of the police um, and mm-hmm. and like that false sense of security and safety that that creates Hmm. yeah that's really powerful as well um i think about a lot how you're talking about how creating these new possible worlds is so important and i think from a young age we're kind of creativity is discouraged in our school systems and i think a lot of people Mm -hmm. just can't imagine a world beyond um like even like even I've been studying and reading all about police abolition, but it's still hard to imagine. And the most powerful moments um, when I read about like restorative justice and things like that, that's sort of when it comes alive and feels possible. Um, so yeah, I think like the restorative space is something I've been really inspired by and just seeing that in practice um, and thinking about the people I know who personally um, could totally benefit from that. So 
what uh, what examples like that you've specifically worked with have kind of modeled the change that you have wanted to see? Yeah, so going back to, you know, coming up in my teens within Youth Speak uh, and then in Seattle, Youth Speak Seattle, I think what I had the privilege of, of being developed by was an intergenerational community. And I think that so often we are sectioned off in our own generations. There's Gen Z, there's millennials, and then there's like older mm-hmm. people or like you're a parent or like you're an executive. And like we identify so strongly with these identities that there's actually we we do put ourselves in, in silos and bubbles in a certain mm-hmm. sense. And we so strictly define ourselves. Um, and again, going back to Grace Lee, I think like one thing that I that I read um in both her her memoir as well as in her her the last book she wrote before she passed away um the next american revolution um Mm -hmm. she she and jimmy kind of developed this concept called dialectical humanism which sounds like very intellectual and Mm -hmm. pretentious but you know the idea of it being like you're always in dialogue with yourself and i think sometimes we grow so fixed to our identities and we're like i'm this Mm -hmm. i'm a that i'm a you know and we have to like figure out our elevator pitch and like what we're selling on ourselves you know and i think um that comes because we kind of treat ourselves as commodities and like even in music Mm -hmm. for example like that's something i struggle with sometimes is like not feeling very motivated to like promote my art because it just feels like Mm self-commodification and it just like feels whack and i don't you know it it just isn't the reason why i make music right so Mm -hmm. my hope is that like you know i think a world where we we treat ourselves like whole people and we treat other people like whole people and we're not judging and basing people based off of like how many followers on Instagram they have or like Mm -hmm. how many you know like what have they done that's like the flashy like points on their resume but like Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of can like unconditioning undoing conditioning in ourselves to truly treat each person like they're valuable um and treat and then like more intrinsically and more importantly like really treat yourself like you're valuable outside of like the things that you've like quote unquote accomplished or like your mm-hmm. accolades you know i think we're we're all so so hard on ourselves um and i think what if we came from a space of like genuine self love um instead of kind of you know this this kind of i used to identify so much as with this like hustle mentality like no like they sleep we grind and like it, it was because i just i didn't have an intrinsic value of like my own wellness like i wanted to show people like my hustle more than i wanted to show like when i wanted to like feel balanced in a certain sense so um yeah i don't know if that answers your question yeah totally <laughs> totally yeah that's a perfect answer um yeah no that's a yeah, because it kind of all does come down to the desire to be seen as a whole person, to see yourself as a whole person. And it's like all these things are just sort of pathways towards that. But yeah, it sounds like you've done just a tremendous amount of amazing work. I know that you're working to not commodify yourself, but uh, yeah, you've spoken with amazing figures like Gloria Steinem, Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, you have all these titles like Google Next Gen Policy Leader. Um, are there any projects you're particularly excited about right now or um, that you're working on? Yeah, for sure. So I I really took some time off music during COVID because what I realized was mm-hmm. that like 
live performance was the thing that I most liked about being a musician. And when the possibility of live performance was taken away um, and unsafe, it kind of threw me for a loop, right? So I was just like, mm-hmm. uh, what am I doing? So actually like this process now of kind of rediscovering or really discovering for the first time my love of like recording music, not as like a means to an end, not like I'm making a song so that I can sing it on stage, but like I want to make thoughtful songs that like live on and um, are, are complete experiences in their own right. Like that was a total like shift for me personally. And so I'm just really excited about um, not only this song, but I'm working on a full length project to come out in the fall um, and, you know, executive producing that. Um, and I'm also really excited about, um, you know, I'm partnering with Hate is a Virus to produce um, not just, you know, a performance video of the song, but um, almost kind of like a mini documentary about Grace Lee Boggs's life. And thankfully, Hate is a Virus saw the vision and was mm-hmm. like, this is somebody that needs to be known and whose history needs to be shared. And so um, they're partnering with me on the production of it. So I'm going to be directing um, like a like a longer narrative video um, that not only talks about Grace Lee's life, but also um, the uh, impact that she's had on creatives and organizers today. Because um, I think that's mm-hmm. something we don't necessarily hear when you hear somebody's history. You don't really hear how the seed of their inspiration has has bloomed and blossomed in mm-hmm. not only their community, but also like, you know, globally. So, um, yeah, I just I'm excited about um, kind of combining my skill set as, um, you know, a a director and a producer with this, you know, story that I feel really inspired by and and want to bring to the world. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, that's such a going to be such a cool documentary. And I love the idea of connecting it to the present seems to go along with your um, your ability to connect all these forces and kind of plant new seeds everywhere. Um, Yeah. How do you see where do you see her in the present um, among among your activists or people today? You know, I was revisiting um, the Next American Revolution that she, the last book that she wrote, and um, she has this really, really profound uh, reading of, I am not remembering the author that she took the passage from, but it was kind of this wild thing where she was talking about how, like, quantum physics is, it is <laughs> like, related to community organizing. I'm like, okay, how are you going to do this? But she was talking about how, like she has a quote that says like the most radical thing I ever did was stay put. Cause she's saying like, you know, people who travel all the time and like, you know, are like global forces or whatever. It's like, how do you really know what a local community needs? And like taking away this idea that like local means small means insignificant and actually seeing that like growing something locally. And this is where the like quantum physics come in. But um, basically talking about mm-hmm. how like something that's localized and seemingly small can actually have profound impact Um because you know if something's really like evolved and sophisticated grown locally like that can be siphoned off and can inspire a a similar type of evolved and sophisticated um community movement elsewhere in the world um so i think sometimes you know again with the capitalism thing we think about like scaling up and so it's like oh i want to you want to have a national organization or an international organization and actually kind of like flipping it and thinking about like you know, what if you just really focused on what's seemingly small? And, you know, it's interesting, too, is that mm-hmm. there's a um, an author and a, and a artist named Adrian Marie Brown who um, mm-hmm. wrote a book called Emergent Strategy. And Adrian was actually um, like a like uh, mentored by Grace Lee Boggs. So it's this really beautiful legacy continuing. And if 
if you haven't heard, if you haven't read Emergent mm-hmm. Strategy or know the work of Adrian Marie Brown, I highly recommend it um, because what Adrian writes about is just really thinking about how um, ecology can be metaphors for community organizing, mm-hmm. but really thinking about how just not to devalue um, the power of locality and and what's seemingly small and that how that can actually be truly powerful and a force for change. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the work of Adrian Marie Brown is like the simple answer to your question. But I think that that's a lot of what I've been thinking about is just not again, in with the devaluation of self that we sometimes have, like, scaling doesn't necessarily mean more impact, like, impact can actually be tremendous and profound um, on a small level and growing something really beautiful in a, in a local space. Mm. Yeah, that's super powerful, because I feel like that could just apply to so many different things. Like, I feel like a lot of activists get really discouraged um, or could be activists get discouraged feeling like the vastness of the world's problems are just like way too big to even comprehend and why do anything. Uh, I think Grace, from what I uh, know of her work, was really good at explaining why uh, activism should be a practice. I think I actually went to Barnard where she went and there was a quote on the wall in the dining hall that said uh, activism is about the journey, not I think it said activism is about the journey, not the destination. I it was something along those lines. Um, so yeah, I think there's something really profound in that idea that locally grown food, locally grown communities, locally grown change is kind of uh, where things begin. Like reading about how you know billionaires like are trying to create uh, like change will never come, I guess, from billionaires. And I think that that's something that. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a radical proposition when you see how the world is run and the people who make the decisions are um, totally not making them from a local perspective. So all that is to say, yeah, um, super fascinating idea. And I do love Adrienne Maria Brown. Um, she's pretty genius. So, um, yeah, is there are there any other um, projects that you want to talk about or um, topics you want to go over? I know we've covered a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just hope that artists and creatives feel really encouraged not only to feel like their work has intrinsic and inherent value, but also understand that like when you connect with local organizing, you know, I I think sometimes we, again, like kind of back to this commodification thing or like we feel like everybody has to be a startup and everybody has to start something (laughs) new, but it's always more impactful to like plug into something that's already happening on the ground I think like there's kind of this ego driven impulse sometimes to be like I'm a founder or I'm like started this nonprofit or like but oftentimes that work has been happening I think you know we see um, again with the like increased uh, rise of interpersonal violence um, against uh, you know vulnerable Asian folks like it's less about just like starting a new organization or like starting Mm -hmm. a new thing. And it's way more about connecting with the local community groups who have been doing this work and like thinking about how to protect our elders and thinking about how to uh, resource our most marginalized. So I guess I just encourage anybody who's listening to, you know, who's like, I want to make a change. I want to help be part of the solution. Um, Because, you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Um, So if you want to be part of the solution, um, folks are working in your community. And it's like on you to kind of figure out not only how you can plug in, but like, 
you know, oftentimes a lot of people who are organizers and have been doing it for a while are super burnt out. So it's like how, you know, sometimes the a powerful thing you can do is just like how can you help care for those people? How can you help those people have a better, um, you know, life balance? Um, how can you be kind? I think, again, reading um, We Do This Till We Free Us, like they talk about like abolition starts with like knowing your neighbors, like not mm. being a stranger, like taking the time to – connect with people even when it might feel a little like socially awkward or a little inconvenient or like I don't really know what that's about but like just um doing your best to connect with people and um not make excuses for why that connection isn't happening so that's what I personally feel called to do Mm. yeah and that's I mean that's actually pretty radical in our world of yeah endless branding and hustle culture and I mean we saw the performativity um the desire to just check doing something off the list this summer was pretty striking. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of, it's radical because it's going against these prevailing growth systems like capitalism, patriarchy that are just ever upwards, um, but not really taking the time to stop and care for anything along the way. Um, so yeah, I, I love everything you're saying. Um, I think it all should be, I mean, you're definitely like, You've definitely written a lot. I, I imagine a book at some point will arise. Uh, but yeah, just want to hang them all on the wall and share them in pamphlets and everything like that. Thank you. Thanks. I really appreciate it.